I'll have more to say about the installation of a pastor, but first, we have these wonderful readings for the third Sunday of Advent. And what I thought of was a, a song that we'll be singing in eight days, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. We'll be singing that very, very soon. And the church on this third Sunday of Advent traditionally rejoices that the Lord is near. We're going to celebrate Christmas. The theme of joy is especially found in our second reading today from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. When you think of all that has been written about Jesus and Christianity and everything pertaining to the Christian faith, it's amazing to think that Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians is the earliest Christian text that we have. It's the beginning of all that has come after, written about 50 AD. Our passage is taken near the end of that first letter, and there he gives a summary statement that we just heard proclaimed. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Always without ceasing and in all circumstances. What a challenge. Almost sounds like it's beyond our reach. But for St. Paul, the coming of Jesus changed everything. His dying and rising from the dead has turned everything upside down. And we acknowledge this in how we reckon time. We're in the year 2023, 2023 years after the birth of Christ. And so we have BC before Christ and AD Anno Domini in the year of the Lord. And even though a society, secular society has changed that to BCE before the common era, and CE, the common era, <laughs> they're still reckoning things by the birth of Christ. It's inescapable. There's been nothing like it. The incarnation of the Son of God, coming as one like us. And his dying and rising from the dead has turned everything upside down. God's grace has so transformed nature that everything is different. If we don't come to understand this, we really don't understand Christianity. And if we don't come to understand this, we don't understand what Christmas is all about. Let's look at St. Paul's advice to us. First of all, rejoice always. It must be acknowledged that many people live in sorrow and anguish. We're not going to deny that. We've all had our ups and downs. 
we've had difficult things that have happened to us for any number of reasons. But here we are talking about Christian joy, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, comes to us through the Holy Spirit, a product of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of trying to appear happy or being on an emotional high all the time. It's living with the recognition that the resurrection of Jesus signals a victory of universal significance, a victory that is so complete and so powerful that nothing the world can throw at you and me can undo what Christ has done for us. Christian joy, therefore, is rooted in hope. Christian joy is invulnerable. And thus, St. Paul writes uh, to the in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, I find my joy in the suffering that I endure for you. Finding joy in suffering. And to the Corinthians, in his second letter, eighth chapter, Paul writes about the example of the churches in Macedonia, in Greece, saying, in the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and deep poverty have produced an abundant generosity. There is always cause for hope and joy. Secondly, St. Paul urges us, as he did the Thessalonians, to pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Well, you know, in Eastern Christianity, there's a very famous prayer called the Jesus Prayer. And religious pilgrims, as they traveled about Russia, would say this prayer continually. They'd breathe it in, and they'd breathe it out. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There are people who pray that way. There are people who throughout the day repeat something like that, short and simple, that enables them to lift their minds and hearts to God in prayer. Some of the Eastern Fathers regard this Jesus prayer as stronger than all the other prayers by virtue of the power of the holy name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And even if we don't recite the Jesus prayer, there is a way in which we can pray always. By his incarnation, Jesus is the Son of God and has made it possible for all of us to participate in the relationship that he has had from his Father for all eternity. That's what happens in baptism. Babies begin to participate in the relationship 
between God the Father and God the Son. They put on Christ. All of us have done so. Prayer is becoming conscious of that, which is always taking place, which always exists, our relationship with God the Father through Christ. And prayer can exist in the subconscious mind always, even though it cannot be in the conscious mind always. Here's a way. If you make a morning offering every day, this takes less than a minute, that makes everything you do that day into a prayer because you trust that when you forget God, God does not forget you. You're in relationship with God. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you all my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of thy sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sin, for the intentions of all our associates, in particular for the intentions of our Holy Father, the Pope. That didn't even take a minute, maybe not even 30 seconds. But what a difference it makes in how your day is framed and how your day is lived. We are always in that relationship to God that is called prayer, even when we're not thinking about it. And then, in all circumstances, give thanks. This probably is the easiest of the three. Maybe rejoicing always is the most challenging of the three. But we can give thanks even when we don't feel like giving thanks. We do all kinds of things we don't feel like doing because of the right thing to do. Giving thanks is an act of our will. It's not a feeling. Greater feelings accompany it, but it's a decision. It's a choice that enlarges our heart whenever we do it. It expands the capacity of our heart for what God wishes to give us. There may be setbacks, failures, sickness, and death, of course. Jesus has already gone down that path, experiencing every aspect of human existence except sin. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was rejected, he suffered, he died. But Jesus then has made all of these things a source of sanctification for us, a way of growing holy. So he walks these paths with us. His grace is on the offer always and everywhere for us. And so, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all circumstances give thanks. At the end of the day, I try to five, five things to say thank you to God for. Some days it's a challenge. Some days it's easy and there's an abundance, and sometimes I fall asleep. <laughs> but in any case, wouldn't that be great if at the end of the day we just pause and try to search our day to find five things 
And you don't want to say, I, I give thanks for mommy and daddy and my three siblings. That adds up to five, but that's a cop-out. <laughs> All right, you've got to find things which engage your life. People whose paths you've crossed the day, circumstances and events. Gifts given by God. That's what we're looking for. Can we do this? Yes, we can. So let us meditate on this third Sunday of Advent on how St. Paul's advice can become more of a reality in our lives. And now a word about the installation. Pastors have to be outdoorsmen. Are you an outdoorsman? <laughs> well, maybe I should stop right here. <laughs> Why? Well, first of all, a pastor is a shepherd. You know, shepherds don't work inside of a building. Uh, you know, the, she the sheep are on the hillside. The shepherd leads them to still waters and green pastures. The shepherd goes before them to lead them. The shepherd is in their midst. As Pope Francis says, and today we should pray for Pope Francis, it's his birthday today, 87 years old. Remember to pray for Pope Francis. As Pope Francis says, the pastor should acquire the scent of the sheep. And you can't acquire the scent of the sheep by staying in the rectory. You've got to mingle with the flock. And then sometimes the shepherd kind of draws back and watches to see if any sheep are going off course or if any sheep are falling behind, and he assists them. So that's really the model of the Good Shepherd, and that is what Father Rob is to be for you. The second thing is uh, the pastor has to be a fisherman. And we fish outdoors too, do we not? Put out into the deep, lower your nets for a catch. That's what Jesus said to the apostles who were fishermen. That's what he says to our pastors today. You've got to go into uncharted waters, and you have to cast your net. And God will give the catch. But that is what we're called to do as a church. You know, this is not a self-selecting group here. We are called to invite everybody to come to know the great love that God has for us revealed through his son, and to testify and say, what a difference God's love has made in my life. What joy I'm filled with in realizing that I am a son or daughter of God, beloved, in whom he is well pleased and upon whom his favor rests, and I want that for you. I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want you to come with me. You know, that's certainly a pastor's job, but you can tell that we're all missionary because we're baptized, and that's our duty. We are to be on the lookout to see how we live our lives can be an example to those who are searching and those who come to us with questions can learn, can be edified, can be attracted to the Lord. So that is what the pastor does, but he does not do it alone. He has the flock, and the flock are not dumb sheep. You know, I mean, they aren't really very smart, but you are much more than that. 
all right? And so you have your own ways. You have your own set of eyes to see those who are falling behind or going off course. You are in the midst of others and you can build them up by your, your words and your concern. And of course, who knows over the course of a lifetime the fish the Lord wants you to catch. Maybe you don't have a very big net, but God gives you a net that's sufficient for the, the job. And there can be those, can be as close as your immediate family, that you are to lower your nets and bring them on board, either again or for the first time. I have great confidence in Father Rob as a pastor. First of all, he is a man of prayer, and you must absolutely. The first duty of a pastor is to pray for his people. There's a canonical obligation that every Sunday and Holy Day, the pastor is to offer a mass for all the needs of his people. And so he will do that for you. He's a man who knows how to pray. He's a man of courage. I greatly admire his service to those who caught COVID in the early days when everybody was so scared. He went and he anointed them. And in his, he is a man of joy. He's upbeat. And thank God we have priests who are like that, really. They're the best thing we can do in maybe attracting men and women to serve the Lord in a special way. And so, Father Rob, be sure of my prayers for you, and I ask your people to continue to pray for you as well. I ask for you to give of yourselves. You know, parish volunteers are becoming an endangered species, hopefully not here. And, of course, support the wonderful ministries that go on here with your financial aid. This is a wonderful parish with wonderful ministries, a very special ministry. There's not too many parishes that have a ministry also to our young adults who are in college or graduate school. How important this place is. And we give thanks for the Focus missionaries who do their best to augment the work of this university parish. And so we pray that the Lord, who has begun a good work in you, and Father Rob, your pastor, may bring it to completion. I, uh, can you believe the, that God, in his indescribably wonderful work of saving the world, has chosen all of us, to us, us who make up St. Luke's Parish, to, to be his own and to, to share in his work. I can't believe that I get to be a priest and get to be a pastor in God's beloved church, specifically here. So I'm grateful to you, Bishop Wachowiak, for your faithful response to God and for your care for our diocese and for coming to install me as a pastor of St. Luke today. I'm grateful to all of you, my brothers and sisters from St. Luke. Um, you, most of you, were here before me and will be here even after me. Um, you have met me with very much kindness and patience and prayers, and you know my faults and mistakes and, um, and how I need more help than I have asked for so far. But you've encouraged and inspired me by loving God more than your own lives, 
So I love you all, and I just want you to please pray for me and for our parish that we can become more intimately united to Jesus. Bishop Okobiak, thank you again for being our bishop and coming to be with us today.